All right, welcome to this edition, this inaugural edition of the General Manager. My name is Aaron Thomas, and no, I am not a general manager. I've never been a general manager, but that's why I, I built this podcast is to act as if I was a general manager <laughs> and do what I can to try to educate all you who are interested in learning about some of my favorite two topics, football and business. And so we had the Super Bowl. We're just, just jump right into this because I'm not going to sit here and bore you about my life or the reason why I created this podcast. I want to get talk about football and business, right? So we had the Super Bowl, right? Super Bowl happened, you know, February 3rd in Atlanta, Georgia. And of course, the team that probably had the best general manager, the best quarterback, the best uh, head coach won the Super Bowl. And so you go, man, how the heck did they win six? The New England Patriots won six Super Bowls. And a lot of it's just exactly what we're going to be talking about in this podcast. You know, you you can't just have uh, some of the best players. Okay, you have probably one of the greatest players to ever play in the NFL at your uh, as your quarterback, you know, the greatest of all time. But you also need to have so many other things that make a Super Bowl caliber team. And so in this first few podcasts, we're going to be talking quite a bit about the salary cap. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft. We'll be talking about deadlines and what are some of the pillars of creating a championship team. And, you know, you can sit there and build all the kind of players that you want but I really, truly believe that there, a, luck plays a lot into this. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you have some of the most amazing things that have happened in the course of the history of the NFL. And you wonder, how the hell did the New England Patriots end up with one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL? at Drafted at, at number 199th overall. <laughs> no, this never happens. It rarely happens. But again, is it luck? Is it the football gods? What is it? So I, I you, you can have all kinds of databases. You can have all kinds of statistics and really numbers your way through and crunching all these different data statistics and key performance indicators and, you know, draft the guys that you think are going to take you to the promised land but at the end of the day, it has to be a combination of at least five different pillars all coming together at the same time. And this podcast will talk quite a bit about those pillars. And so let's talk about the, the timeline, the deadlines, things that are coming up in the NFL. And the, the, the new league year began on February 12th. And, you know, this was about nine days after the Super Bowl where teams were able to sign players whose contracts have expired, players under contract. Uh, these are for the CFL team. So the, the Canadian Football League, you know, you talk, take a look at some of the, the general managers all across the NFL. They're trying to find that next Tom Brady, right? So they're like looking under every rock. They're, they got scouts. They've been, you know, having folks at, attend games up in Canada. And beginning on February 12th, you had teams were able to sign players from the CFL. Didn't hear too much, many of these these players 
coming down from the, the Canadian Football League. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the AFL, the AFF, the Affiliate Football League, AFAFL, and talking about what that means to the NFL uh, a little bit later in uh, basically probably about two or three different podcasts from now. We'll get into that. And then, you know, February 19th, we had the first day for clubs to uh, franchise or transition players if they wanted to. And so for the last few weeks, uh, we've been waiting to see who was going to franchise their player, their star player, because you get to, you get to do that one one franchise player per team. And we we're trying to figure out who was going to be the first one. And But then the last uh, week or so since... Uh, earlier uh, last weekend and through m- Monday of this week, we had the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis, and he had all kinds of different, probably the top 150 uh, collegiate football players come to uh, Indianapolis and really show off their their wares, be able to see all the different uh, types of skill sets they have, their measurables. And of course, there were some guys that really, really helped themselves and a couple of guys that honestly didn't help themselves uh, during the combine. So that was one way that the players and the the teams were able to sit back and kind of introduce themselves to each other and be able to not just look at the, the game film that they've had, but also what they had in front of them. Well, this week we had a wonderful opportunity to see which players were then franchised. On March 5th, which was Tuesday of this week, we started hearing all kinds of players that were franchised, and you know, uh, Demarius Lawrence, Demarcus Lawrence, excuse me, uh, Frank Clark. There was uh, all, a couple other guys that were basically designated for that franchise tag. And let's back up a little bit because again, this podcast is designed to not only talk to the the avid football fan like myself, but anybody that's kind of getting into this. They're never really. Uh, participated in understanding all these technology, the terms that we use for the NFL. And again, that's kind of, you know, salary cap. What is that? Salary cap is like a big piece of pie. That's a big pie, right? And and they can, you know, chunk up their pie into various pieces to dole out to their, their players, the ones that they think deserves the bigger pieces of the pie. And usually the, the biggest piece normally goes to the quarterback. Then you have uh, a various, you know, you've got with this big, this 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 gigantic pie, you have to pay for things like uh, the eleven offensive starters, the eleven defensive starters, their backups, injured reserve players, players that basically got injured during the season. You still got to pay them just because they they hurt their back, broke their leg, going for a for a, an interception. You still got to pay the guy. You got special teams players. These are guys that will probably never start in the NFL, but they're on uh, the special teams, punting, punt coverage, kickoff returns. You have practice squad guys. These are guys that, again, are just sitting kind of in the minors. They're waiting on the bench for that great phone call they're going to get from their agent saying, okay, you're going to be moved up into the starting line or into the active roster. You still got to pay those guys. Then you have to have money for the emergency roster, right? What if your star quarterback goes down and you have this other guy that's sitting out there who was probably in the CFL last year and led the the Toronto Argonauts to 
the Stanley or the Stanley Cup, the the big uh, the Grey Cup up there, and you want to get him on your team because you think he can do you well. Well, that's the emergency roster money that it would take. Then you got dead money, and dead money are basically players that were on your team that you let go or released with a waiver or a release, outright release, and you still got to pay uh, parts of that contract that you signed them up for uh, either that year or the years prior. So you have all these different things that you have to pay for in order for the salary cap to pay for all of this big piece of this this big pie and all these different pieces you have to dole out of it. And at the end of the year, hopefully you've got, you know, a percentage of that pie left so that in case you do need to go after that emergency player, you can do it. And so you talk about, uh, when we're talking about free agency, which is where we're at in the NFL uh, league year, you talk about two different types of C, uh, free agents. And you talk about um, actually three types of free agents, but uh, there's the accrued season and the credited season. Let's talk about that for a minute. The accrued season, these are guys that played six games, at least six games in, in a season at full pay status. And then you got the credited season. These guys only had to play three games at full pay status. And when we talk about, uh, you know, the types of free agents, the, uh, what we're really looking at is the accrued season. These are the guys that played six games. And if you, uh, this is in, in one season, they had four accrued seasons, then you're more eligible to do more with your free agency than as if you had less than four accrued seasons. So basically, there's three different types of of age uh, of free agents. There's the exclusive rights free agents. These are the guys that are uh, less than three accrued seasons. So basically, a guy gets drafted or signs as a free agent just because he wasn't drafted, only played in three accrued seasons. So six again, six games is one accrued season. They can only sign with the team if they are officially tendered a contract. These are exclusive rights. They, that means that the original team said, you know, I like that guy. We didn't have enough time with him. But the NFL says, okay, well, you didn't have enough time with him, so we're going to give you the exclusive right to sign him if you want. Then there's the restricted free agents. These guys had three accrued seasons, but not four. And they may negotiate with another team, but the original team has the first rights of refusal. So again, they're, they're restricted. So they can go out there and shop themselves out to another team and say, hey, uh, you know, you're with the Seahawks, but now you want to go with the Packers. Packers go, okay, I'll give you $10 million a year. Well, the, the Seahawks, as the original team, has the first rights of refusal to say, no, it will match that, that $10 million a season. That's restricted free agency. Then there's the unrestricted free agents. These guys are free to sign with another team unless the original team gives them what's called the franchise tag. And the franchise tag is what we're talking about in Seattle with Frank Clark. Frank Clark is had four accrued seasons. And so he was free to sign with another team if he wanted to. 
He was originally drafted in 2015 in the round number two, 63rd overall. And uh, yeah, he was in his free free agent year. So in order for the Seahawks to basically buy more time with Frank Clark, they decided to slap the franchise tag on him. And that is going to give Frank Clark $17.1 million this year. Now, after doing that, the Seahawks have left $33 million left under the salary cap to pay for all those other players I was talking about. You know, the backups, the injury reserve guys, the other guys that are free agents, whether they're exclusive rights or restricted free agents or unrestricted. And so the Seahawks did a really good job of keeping one of uh, the top 10 players that were scheduled to be a free agent off the market. And so, you know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want it. Nobody wants to just, you know, have one year on their contract. They want multiple years just in case. Not only that, they want what's happening now is more guaranteed money. Guaranteed money in the NFL is basically language in the contract that protects a player from losing wages if the contract is terminated. You know, you want you you want to go to a job, and you know whether you uh, your skill set goes down or you get injured, or because the the company is running out of money, you still want to get paid. And that's exactly what Frank Clark and the rest of these free agents are wanting. They want guaranteed money. Show me the money. (laughs) And that's exactly why Frank Clark, Demarcus Lawrence, all these other guys that are, you know, top free agents, they're saying, you know, don't give me that Doug on franchise tag. Even though the 17.1 million that the Seahawks are giving to Frank Clark as it stands today is fully guaranteed. He doesn't want that. He wants three years of or two and a half years of fully guaranteed money on a five-year deal. You know, he wants to be able to to play full status out there knowing that his team is going to pay him no matter what. And it's interesting. And this is an interesting time of the year for the NFL because more te- more guys are getting that guaranteed money than we've ever seen before. It was ludicrous, even just two or three years ago, to give a guy 50% of the full contract guaranteed. I mean, it was ludicrous to give 10%. <laughs> all the other leagues are doing it. The, N- the NBA, Major League Baseball, they all have that guaranteed money. But then the NFL, which is one of the most dangerous Sports in all of of the world never had that because it's so dangerous. The owners were like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you a bunch of money for free. You know, you're going to go down and get injured. You look at Cam Chancellor. God, I love Cam Chancellor. He was amazing. I called him Godzilla. But him and Cliff Averill go down as they're trying to tackle somebody and they both go out with career-ending injuries. And the the Seahawks did right. They paid Cliff Averill the money that he was owed, and so was Cam Chancellor. He's going to be another big, uh, you know, basically dead money on the the salary cap this year. 
even though it's not technically dead money because he's still with the team and eventually they're going to release him, then it'll be dead money. Dead money basically is just saying, you know, we're going to give this player money even though he's not on the team. And, you know, you look at Seattle and there's several guys that the Seahawks have that are uh, dead money people. They just released Malik McDowell. He was one of the guys that the Seahawks drafted uh, a year ago. And, you know, he's going to count $1.5 million against the salary cap. He gets his little piece of pie. But it's dead money. John Ryan was still owed $600,000 this year, uh, even though we released him last year when we drafted Michael Dixon. And Reese Odiambo, remember Reese? I don't know how the heck he still gets money, but he signed a good deal for him that basically he is going to be owed $161,000 this year, uh, even though he's not with the team. And so the Seahawks have $2.4 million in dead money that they're going to be paying out. And so, yeah, you have all these different guys. You have exclusive rights, restricted free agents, and unrestricted free agents. And uh, let's go ahead and go through the list of free agents that the Seahawks have as we speak. All right, we're going to start with the unrestricted free agents. Again, these are guys that are free to sign with any other team unless they are given that franchise tag, which they can't be given anymore because the Seahawks already slapped that on Mr. Frank Clark. Others that joined Frank Clark as unrestricted free agents so far, K.J. Wright, Earl Thomas, Justin Coleman, Shamar Steffen, who is a defensive tackle, Dion Jordan, Sebastian Janikowski, D.J. Fluker, J.R. Sweezy, Mike Davis, running back, Nico Thorpe, special teams, Michael Kendricks, the guy that was basically arrested for... Uh, doing some uh, insider trading. Uh, Maurice Alexander, the safety that never really got to play. Uh, He kind of looks a lot like uh, Cam Chancellor, really big dude, but never really played for Seattle, was kind of injured throughout this last campaign. And then backup quarterback Brett Hundley, who the Seahawks traded for, I believe was a fifth-round draft pick for this year, went over to Green Bay, and we got a backup quarterback that didn't even see many snaps in 2019, 18. Out of all these guys, you kind of figure out, okay, Cousin Earl, (laughs) let's start with him because he's, of course, a top 10 free agent this year. Uh, The Seahawks decided not to franchise tag him. Some people speculated that Frank Clark was going to get a multi-year deal and that the Seahawks were going to franchise tag Earl Thomas. Let's talk about that for a minute. Earlier I said about the the pie, this gigantic pie that the teams get to spend. Well, Frank Clark, again, we knew he was going to be uh, owed at least, you know, where between 16 to $18 million a season. That, again, would have took us down to $33 million. Cousin Earl, and I say Cousin Earl because my name is Aaron Thomas. His name is Earl Thomas, la, la, la. Cousin Earl is going to command and wants to be the highest paid safety in the NFL. Statistics would probably prove he's probably at least top three. I don't think he should be paid top 
top dollar, but okay. He's been to a few Super Bowls, all-star teams, etc. So yeah, he probably does warrant uh, you know, a top three, three contract. That would be somewhere around 12 to $14 million a year. So on two players, if the Seahawks do did exactly what we were saying, that some people speculated, you were looking at about 28 to $30 million going to two players when all along you only had about $48 million to spend. And you still got about $18 million left over for all these other needs that you have. So honestly, they couldn't do it. They really couldn't do it in order for them to be able to pay for all the different pieces of the team. And so you go down the list. You could say, you know, Cousin Earl is probably going to go to San Francisco, which I think is going to happen. San Francisco has uh, about $20 million more in cap space than the Seahawks do. So you could see that happening. K.J. Wright is kind of one of those uh, on-the-bubble guys because as an outside linebacker, he's probably going to command anywhere from $8 million to $11 million a year. And if he gives the Seahawks a discount, which I highly doubt he's going to, he'll be about $8 million on the cap. Seattle will probably sign him up. Heck yeah, we'll do that twice on Sunday. But I doubt it. I think KJ's gone. I think he'll be to going to another team like Buffalo or some other team that could use an outside linebacker. You got other other guys on the team, Justin Coleman, who, uh, you know, the bar has been set. The market's been set for the cornerbacks. And, you know, Justin, I, at the beginning of the season, I was like, no way. Don't like this guy. He's lost it. <laughs> and as, as many times as I doubted Justin Coleman, he just totally sparked back up again. Came out of nowhere. It was uh, shut down, you know, nickel cornerback that did a really good job, especially in the trenches. I see Justin Coleman possibly coming back to Seattle on a three or four year deal, probably somewhere around uh, $7.5 million a year. Uh, probably 30 or 40% of that guaranteed. So I see him coming back. Shamar Stefan, defensive tackle, did pretty well. He carved himself a pretty good contract this year, even though he was a rotational player. Um, I think he'll come back at a, you know, a little bit of, about a, a little bit above average defensive tackle contract. Deion Jordan would play a lot of uh, a lot injured last year. If we can get him on a, a league minimum, I think he'll come back to Seattle. Sebastian Janikowski, no, nope. I think he retires. I think he sits on the bench and uh, maybe down the road, if the, a team needs him in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl, he'll come off the bench. DJ Fluker, gosh, what a the steamroller! Never played the first two games of the season. And the Seattle Seahawks go 0-2. Comes back in the third game, and all of a sudden we've got a run game. I, I think he's a steamroller. we got to get him back. Uh, John Clayton thinks he's going to come back at about $6.5 million on the cap. J.R. Sweezy, another guy who proved it this year that he could play uh, most of the season not injured. I think he comes back for about six, $6 million a year. Mike Davis, God, I love Mike Davis. Probably one of the hardest running running backs in the NFL. 
And if we can get him at, I don't know, three and a half, four million a year, then I think we sign him back up as the third running back on the team. Uh, although Seattle could go ahead and, and sign a, uh, uh, you know, draft somebody, a running back, because it's, it's pretty deep, uh, and, and pay 500000 this year for him, that, that third running back. Uh, Nico Thorpe, special teams guy. I think he was uh, probably one of our top uh, special teamers. I think he comes back. Michael Kendricks will probably come back if uh, the NFL will let him back in, which I think they will. I think yeah, you're going to see him playing probably about uh, $4.5 million a year. Maurice Alexander, if we could get him on a league minimum, I think we get him back as a backup. And I think Brent Hudley's gone. Next, we'll talk about uh, some of the other guys. This is the restricted free agents. All right, so now we've got the restricted free agents. Now, these are the guys that have accrued three seasons, but not four. They can negotiate with another team, but the Seahawks have the right, the first rights of refusal. And so there's only a few guys on this list. It's very short. Tyler Ott, the long snapper. And it was kind of funny because he, when uh, it was announced that Frank Clark was the guy that the Seahawks slapped the franchise tag on, Tyler Ott put on Twitter on his account, (laughs) man, I thought for sure I was going to get the franchise tag. And how dare they not slap that on me? It was pretty funny because he's just the long snapper. He probably, you know, is going to make somewhere about five or six hundred thousand this year, um, and I don't think there's a humongous demand for long snap, but you know, we'll see. Maybe he'll do himself well, and some other team will, uh, you know, give him a contract. The Seahawks will have to see if they want him or not and match it. And if they don't, I think we still get him back. I think Tyler Ott's going to be a Seahawk next year. Uh, Quentin Jefferson, oh gosh, defensive end. He came on, didn't he? Near the second half of the season in the playoffs. I see Quentin Jefferson and their next guy, Brandon Jackson. I think no matter what, these guys are coming back uh, to the Seahawks. I think they're young. They're, you know, Seattle got them as uh, draft picks or free agents. And so I see them coming back. Akeem King, uh, defensive back. I think he's another one that Seattle is, uh, has groomed as a possible uh, person that could start in this league. And he's got the measurables. And again, I think Seattle does what it can to bring him back. George Fant, uh, whether you call him a tackle or a tight end, <laughs> I think big, big Fant, he's coming back. I think Seattle's going to figure out a way to get him back. And, and I see him in Seattle coming up. And then you got Trey Madden, who's a, a fullback, which I don't see coming back. He was pretty injured last year and didn't really show what he could do for us uh, for Seattle. So I think uh, Trey Madden's probably the, out of all those guys of the restricted free agents. I think they're the ones that uh, he's the one that's probably going to see uh, be a cap casualty. And our next group is the are the exclusive rights free agents. Again, as I mentioned earlier, these are guys where the team just didn't have enough time with them. 
and the league says, okay, you get the exclusive rights. You can uh, only sign with the Seahawks if they tendered a contract with them. They've had less than three accrued seasons. Remember, an accrued season is six games at full pay in one season. And these guys had less than that. So uh, whether it was because of injury or because they were on the practice squad too much, uh, the Seahawks have the exclusive rights to sign them. You got David Moore, wide receiver. Again, God, the guy had so much flash in the preseason, in the first few games of the season. All of a sudden, he just fell off the face of the freaking earth. What the hell happened to David Moore? <laughs> I have no clue what the heck happened there. I don't know if he just got that the, the world got too big for him or or maybe his head got too big somewhere along the way. And don't get me wrong, I've never played a, a, a snap in the NFL or collegiate football or even high school. But I just know and I've been around enough to see the flashes in the pan. The guys that we go, wow, uh, there, I love what they do. And all of a sudden they just, you know, fizzle out. Um, I don't see Seattle getting David Moore back as an exclusive rights free agent. I think he'll, they'll probably let him test the, the open waters and uh, he will not be back in Seattle. I think J.D. McKissick is next, running back wide receiver, who was injured last year, but when he played, was very, very explosive. Is it enough to get him another contract? If it's a league minimum, yes. If it's not, he's gone. Uh, center, Joey Hunt. If it's league minimum, yes. If it's not, then no, he's gone. Austin Calitro, linebacker. Seattle's going to get Austin Calitro back. I think he definitely has one of the, the the highest engines on the team. He is a poor man's Bobby Wagner. I think the, the kid is going to do really well in this league because he's got that chip on his shoulder. He reminds me a lot of, lot of Doug Baldwin. He reminds me of some of the guys that you just go, wow, where did he come from? He just kind of flashes on the on the screen. And so I think Austin Calitro is back in Seattle at a, probably an average uh, linebacker contract. Uh, Emmanuel Ellerby, uh, linebacker, don't see too much of him coming back. Uh, if, it, if it is, it'll be at a league minimum. Jordan Simmons, guard, league minimum, backup role. I think uh, Seattle liked him. They kind of uh, flirted with him coming onto the starting lineup as a guard, but you know, either he was really good at one or the other. He wasn't, you know, pass protection or run blocking. Um, he needs to really shore it up. And Shalom Luani uh, is a safety who the Seahawks, again, traded for with the Raiders. And I think because they gave up a draft pick, they're going to go ahead and kick the tires on Shalom Luani. I think he's got the, the physical skills. I think he just needs more repetitions out there and let him compete for the safety position. So I think uh, Shalom Luani is coming back. So those are your exclusive rights, free agents. Again, uh, as we uh, count down to Tuesday through Thursday of this coming week in free agency and the calendar league, we're going to see who Seattle is going to give out uh, the remaining $33 million of cap space. Again, $5 million of that 33 has got to go towards things like the practice squad and the emergency roster. Um, and so now you're looking at around $27 million in cap space for a ton of dudes that they need to come back and to fill out this roster. So 
That'll do it for this edition of General Manager. I really want to thank you all for your continued support. I'll be back again next Saturday with another awesome edition. We'll see what Seattle did in free agency. We'll talk about the numbers. We'll talk about uh, some other terms and getting us a little bit more up to speed on uh, the collective bargaining agreement. What does that really mean in Seattle? And the fact that there's been talk about you know, uh, restructuring or, re- or extending the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement between the players and the owners. We'll see how that goes. Uh, if you want to contact me for whatever reason, you got a question, go ahead and hit me up on my Facebook page, the general manager on Facebook, and I'd be love to uh, be able to take your questions if be able to answer them right here on the podcast. All right, wherever you're at, have fun. Take care, guys.